Welcome to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Dan and Paul are the owners of one of the largest powerlifting gyms in the world, Ruchi's Gym, and are experienced powerlifting coaches. Join them as they discuss and debate all things powerlifting and strength training with some fun stuff thrown in. For more information, visit ruchisgym.com. Good afternoon, Daniel, and also welcome to our listeners. Welcome to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the gym business. We're going to obviously be diving into our personal experiences with our own gym and sort of where we sort of came from and sort of some of the steps along the way. And we're going to talk about general business stuff. We've had a lot of people um, ask us if we can talk about just general business things. Um, and I think we're going to begin with a little bit of what's happening here and quickly go through some events. Yep, we sure are. Good afternoon, everyone. And Paulie, thank you for kicking things off this afternoon. So yeah, like Paul said, today we're going to be covering all things gym business. And so for those of you perhaps who are considering opening your own gym, maybe you're a personal trainer who's thinking about opening your own gym, maybe you're an existing gym owner, or maybe you're just someone who's interested in business, this podcast is for you. I will say that you said all things. Now... Let's not say all things because we're probably going to miss something. Correct. Definitely. So if we do happen to miss something that you guys are after, send us an email. Correct. You wanted us we, to speak about. And we can cover it in a separate listener Q&A. But today we're going to cover some of the things that we think are the top picks for operating a gym business. Well, along the way within the conversation. Yeah. So first of all, we're going to just... Um, briefly cover some of the things that have been happening around Rucci's gym in the last week or so and then we're going to get straight into the the good stuff all right so Paulie you might want to kick things off there last Uh, week what's been going on so uh, let's talk about the uh, APUWA we have um, APU state championships coming up on the 28th of August Uh, registrations close in approximately two weeks so if you are interested in registering now is the time go to our website in the top menu, click on powerlifting, look through the, the uh, menu options. There's a menu option called APU competition registration. And that's that. follow those instructions and you'll be fine. We currently have 35 registered lifters. I think we're going to get somewhere between 50 and 60. Um, it's going to be a great day. It's also the primary qualification event for the highly anticipate, anticipated, anticipated, you almost made up a new word. Second APU Australian Powerlifting National Championships, which are being held right here, Dan. At Roach's Gym well, V4. Literally not right here because we will be at V4 in the new, in with the, new with, facility. Yeah, in the new facility. Um, but it will be at the Roach's Gym Powerlifting venue. Absolutely. Boom. And now, t- registrations will open for Classic Nationals on the 5th of August. A few things have happened this week. We've uh, currently got the event shop. Um, online and ready for purchases we have things like where you can pre uh, purchase your photography options which we just released which is pretty awesome Um, you can pre-purchase your spectator event tickets which are currently discounted as well as the photography packages you can also include some loaded lifting stuff in there event t-shirts Ruchi's gym t-shirts stuff like that so get on there www.2019apuclassicnationals.com that wasn't a mouthful.com. Now, very good, Paul. I've seen the website. Very professional. And I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic meet. In terms of what's happening with the GPC, um, Perth Cup coming up in September. We have roughly 85-ish lifters currently registered. I think that's pretty awesome. Most if you consider that we added that third comp, plus a lot of the guys and girls did. We had yes. a lot go to nationals, right? So, so most of the team who competed at nationals are not competing at Perth Cup. I know there's one. James is. James and Emma are. Emma as well. Yep. Emma did submit her registration. She wants to crack the 400. She does indeed, I think. So look, Perth Cup as normal, shaping up to be a pretty good meet. I'm pretty sure we're going to be probably getting closer to the 100 lifter mark. So definitely two days then? It is a two-day event, 100%. Saturday and Sunday. In terms of other competitions, we have Ladies of Lifting coming up in the first week of August. We still have a few spots available for that, which is actually really surprising because that normally sells up real quick. How many how many registrations do we have for that? Um, I think we, at the moment we have 40 to 50. 
Okay. So there's still plenty of spots available for ladies of lifting. Okay. Look, outside of that, we also have just released the September Novice Comp, which will be the last Novice Comp of 2019. Competition? Here at Ruchi's Gym mm-hmm. and in V3. Well, if everything goes to plan, that is. Yes, we are. You know look, saying? whenever we talk about V4, we're assuming that things go to plan. Correct. And in, unless we say otherwise, you can assume that things are it's, going to plan. Well, has anything ever not gone to plan? I would like to say... Yes. Because I was no, speaking to someone the other day about this and I was like, you know, I'm, you know, it's quite, you know, I'm highly anxious about it and everything. And they're like, mate, has anything you guys have ever done not gone to plan? And I said, no, I don't think so. He goes, and then what are you worried about? Yeah. Look, you know, there's always things outside of our control. But of we course. are pretty good at planning, which is actually is a great segue, actually. Absolutely fantastic Into segue. the topic of the podcast which is basically around the gym business so i guess maybe we should kick things off if you are considering opening a gym if you own a gym if you're a manager at a gym if you're a pt who thinks they want to open a gym then listen up because paul and i maybe have some words of wisdom maybe look we're going to share with you our experiences maybe talk about some of the things that have worked some of the things that um, have worked and haven't worked yeah um yeah Okay, let's keep things off. The first thing I'm going to say is, if you think that opening your own gym is going to be all Hollywood, then think again. You're going to be working long hours. You're probably at some point going to have to put your own training on the back burner. So if you're the type of person who loves training, that is not a good reason to open a gym. You actually have to look deeper and look within. You have to actually want to help people and create something and have a really good vision as to what you want to create. Definitely agree. Like any business and anyone who's been in business will tell you, in order to have a successful business, you have to have the passion for the business. You have to have a good vision. You have to have a big, big point of difference because remember these days, there's gyms on every corner almost. You know, there's all the commercial gyms, all your 24-hour gyms. You know, Paul and I refer to those gyms as $10 a week gyms. Which is fine because there's an obvious market for those gyms. Big time. And one of the things I think that's important when someone is deciding to open a new gym is they have to have some sort of point of difference. They have to be unique. Exactly. Yeah. Unless, what? of course, you're opening a franchise gym. Yeah. That's a different story. If you're opening up a niche gym or a specialty gym or some sort of boutique gym, you have to have something about your gym that is completely different from everyone else. Otherwise, you don't have enough differentiation in the marketplace. Um, and you won't be able to attract the right clientele. So it's very important that you do decide up front, you know, sort of the starting vision and sort of maybe where you want to be in five years. One big thing you have to determine is sort of your typical client avatar. What does your typical client look like? What is their age? What is their gender? What are their skills? Sometimes you might even, what are their demographics? It also depends on what area you want to open your gym. If you, you know, so there's all these factors to consider. I mean, we, we say this, but when we opened V1, we didn't really have a lot of these conversations. And, and, and perhaps that was a mistake. Look, I think, I think inherently we understood what we wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew we were opening a powerlifting gym. Yeah. We knew that we want to, wanted to attract people into strength training and also into the sport of powerlifting. So we did have an avatar. We did have, uh, you know, our client type, yeah. so to speak. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think it was ever formalized. We just sort of knew what type of gym we wanted to open. Look, I, I think you and I had a pretty good plan and we can communicate via mental telepathy pretty well. That's true. In fact, this would be a very quiet podcast if we were just speaking between it us. It would be. Very. <laughs> Hang on, down, I'm going to ask you something. Yes, Paul, I agree. See? It's amazing. So if you, you know what I asked him? I said, who's the better looking twin? Is it me? And he said, yes, Paul, I agree. So, <laughs> unbelievable. It works. I got outplayed, out-angled. So look, if you are thinking about opening a gym, you really need to write some of this stuff down and, and putting a nice business plan or business case together, um, to be honest, is not a bad idea, especially these days when there is a lot of competition in the market. You know, if you, for example, if you are looking, and let's talk about powerlifting gyms or strength gyms because that's the business that Paul and I are in. If you are looking to open a strength gym or powerlifting gym, you know, it, it might pay to do some research as well. What other gyms are you competing against? What are their services? What do they charge? What are the, some of the things that they do? What areas are they, um, what areas, are they in? Yeah. What areas do they service? Yeah. So these are the, some of the things that you need to consider when opening a strength slash powerlifting gym. Yes, All right? I agree. Um, look, when we first started, we minimized risk a little bit by 
opening PTC Perth with a friend of ours, Aaron, because Aaron had previously run gyms. So to minimize risk, you know, Paul and I had never opened a gym before. Paul and I had always run sort of dot-com internet businesses. So Definitely the brick and mortar business was new. So a brick and mortar business Mm. like a gym was definitely a little bit outside of our our scope and a little bit outside of our comfort zone. So we, to minimize risk, we brought in someone who we felt had the skills, right? And Aaron added a lot of value initially um, when opening the gym. Um, For those of you who don't know, Aaron is no longer obviously uh, an owner of the gym. We bought him out after a few years, but he went on to bigger and better things in his own space. Um, So sometimes you can minimize risk by introducing another person to the business. However, Paul and I definitely do not recommend introducing someone to the business unless it's absolutely necessary. Too many cooks boil the broth. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Do you agree, Paulie? Yeah, I, actually, I, I thought I thought Aaron's contribution was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, wasn't hope, I hope he's listening and everything. He's running a, a, pretty, a, a very awesome um, strength and conditioning, uh, applied strength and, strength and conditioning gym in Wangara. He does Greenwood. golfing. You know, it's Greenwood. called Drive 360. If you're into golfing, go see Aaron at Drive 360 in Greenwood. He's yeah. really, really awesome yep. um, with the sport of golfing. And, and in fact, general strength and conditioning. Very yeah. smart guy. Um, look, you know, so those are some of the sort of hot hot picks straight off the bat, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest things um, that sort of sort of smacked me in the face straight away was even just finding actual premise. Yeah, going, let's talk about that. Going through the process of looking, you know, on um, commercialrealestate.com or whatever the hell it is, looking at prospects and then like going through the whole th- debacle of going to visit them and organizing times and then yep. then coming down to maybe deciding between two or three of them and then ne- the negotiation process yep um and the negotiation process for a commercial lease was very new to me actually like um yeah very was, different was from very, residential it was very different from residential so um, that whole process was very new to me and every time every time we have moved you know you learn something new right you learn um, how to become a better negotiator. Um, you, you, oh, cheers. Daniel's Sorry, man. Oh, I just stabbed hurt. Paul with my chair leg yeah, as yeah. I was moving it. So like, you, 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 learn to be, you, know, you learn to become a better negotiator, the things to look out for in a lease agreement, um, perhaps the things that you should be asking for. Um, and yeah, so we've done it a few times now. So <laughs> I kind of feel like it's the norm every three years I'm doing a commercial know, lease agreement. Yeah. it's insane. So if... So obviously, premise is a big one. So, Paulie, obviously, you deal a lot with that side of yes. um, our business. What are some of the things, if someone is looking to open a gym, what are some of the key things they should look out for when trying to select the right venue? Okay. So, I mean, first of all, um, we've always... I mean, we've always been in Malaga, which falls under the city of Swan. Now, obviously, people not in W, they're not going to know what the city of Swan is. Anyway, it's a... Um, the city of Swan, Malaga sits in the city of Swan. It's a council. And every council yeah. um, has their own set of bylaws in terms of, you know, minimum requirements of parking, bathrooms, um, noise control and so on. So the actual biggest one that I've found that um, the councils look for when you're going through an approval process or a change of use um, process is they look at um, the number of car bays per client or per um, occupancy yeah. Right. So, in the city of Swan, for a recreation, um, for recreation usage, it's a four to one ratio. So, for every person, um, or for every four people you have in the gym, there needs to be one car bay. Right. So, if you've got twenty car bays outside, obviously multiply that by four, you get eighty, and you have an occupancy of eighty. Right. So that's the first thing. So, looking for a place that's got adequate parking is really important. Um. The next thing is you need toilets. I mean, bathrooms and toilets are very important. The thing is, there's something that can be built. This is true. Car bays is something that's very difficult to overcome because generally a warehouse has a certain number of car bays. There's no more land, right? Correct, yeah. So you sort of got to get car bays right straight off the bat. Um, You can build toilets and you can build amenities if you've got that sort of, you know, those funds to do that, which is fine. Um, The next thing that I would probably look for is the split between um, the gym area or the warehouse and the administration. Assuming we're talking about a warehouse of what we've got. Correct. 
But this still applies. So some though. of the things that we've looked for, especially more recently, in the last two especially, is the sort of the split between the warehouse and the administration areas. So for example, you don't want to have, if you've got say a thousand square meters all up, you don't want to have 800 square meters of administration areas and 200 <laughs> square meters of gym. No. You know. Of course. That's obviously not the right split. A gym needs to be something more like if you've got a thousand, 800, 800, 200. 200 or something like that. So generally it's pretty good though. Most warehouses, especially in Malaga, have a pretty good split like that. Um, I don't know. What else would you... Um, look, there's other things to consider as well. Lighting. Well, okay. Let's look. If we just you know, actually because just look at electrical and network. Yeah. Right? You know, um, if it's a, a warehouse that's not new, it may already have an existing network and electrical. We've had, uh, especially in V3, uh, this one here, we've had all of our, um, our gym lighting designed by our lighting designer. So um, there's you know there's an adequate supply or, or amount of lighting in here, right? Yes. Which is, I think it's minimum of two hundred lumens. Minimum two hundred lux. Two hundred in a gym. Uh, two hundred lux. Um, and in fact, and, and the new gym we've designed at three something. It's, yeah, it's it's quite. It's going to be brighter than it is in here. It is brighter, but it still falls within the um, it's limits of glare for glare. So yes. it's going to be bright, but it won't be glary. Yeah. Right. Um, in here, I think I thought it was around the two sixty mark, or something like that. Um, Rings and a I bell. think in the new gym it's somewhere around the two eighty to three hundred or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, so it's important to um, have the correct lighting in a gym because obviously a dark gym can be a dangerous gym. You know, if you're not if you can't see yep. what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Um, and you will we'll notice actually on sometimes on social media we see people, um, you know, that having videos or um, uploading videos of them training in in the gyms that they're training in. They're very dark. Yeah. And the the gyms simply do not have adequate lighting. Right, Especially so warehouse gyms, and it is expensive to try and relight a can, whole warehouse. It certainly can be. Yeah. One thing I would recommend is with your um, with your lighting, one thing to look for is obviously power consumption. Buy LEDs for you know if you got got it in the budget. Buying LED lighting can significantly reduce the, the overhead Actually, for electricity. Paulie, we found a huge reduction in um, we did in energy consumption yeah, just by we, using yeah, LEDs. Yeah, we went from basically the, you know, the globe incandescent style. I'm not sure if that's I think it was called. about half. Lamps. Um, and when we put in LEDs. No, I think in V2 we had one... I think we had six of the incandescent style lamps. And in here we've got... 12. So we also had fluoros in the back bit. That's true. But anyway, in here we've got 12 LED high bay lights. And these 12 LED high bay lights use about the same power as the six. Yeah, so it's about half. About half. So it's which about is, half. Which is actually amazing. Yeah. And then what we did late last year, which is a bit of a, a pain in our sides now, is that we installed solar. Yeah, we did indeed. And that basically halved the day, halved it again for yeah. a, a usage during Doing the day. our thing for the environment. Doing our thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, now we have to move it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, which is a bit of now a now we're in a position where we've got to move, which yeah, which, which, are, which is a, of a massive pain. overhead. Yeah. We also have the big ass fan. So I, I remember. Um, so airflow is important. Obviously, airflow in a gym is very important. Um, now, when we were looking at um, when we were looking at um, options, obviously for airflow, you know, everyone, you know, the first thing you do is look at you know that your sort of pedestal style bit fan stuff, yeah, you know that you mount on the walls, walls and so yeah. on. Um, you know, we looked and obviously aircon. Now, aircon in this style of gym is simply not feasible. The volume of air that you need to cool is is basically it's it's massive because of the height of the height so of the cost in terms of energy consumption is high. The other thing to consider is I'm pretty sure if you check your council bylaws, there'll be some laws about, um, for example, I don't think we could actually use aircon in here because of the lack of insulation. Okay, yeah. I think there's some laws around the insulation be, yeah. because obviously without the insulation, there's more energy consumption, Correct. which isn't great for the environment. Yeah. So there's some laws around that as well. Actually, someone said it to me the other day, are you guys going to be getting aircon in the new gym? And I said, unless you want to pay $500 a month for membership, membership? probably not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Look, I, honestly, in this style of gym, I don't think that actually... No, it's not necessary. ...cooling the air actively like that is actually Airflow a good thing. Airflow is the most important. Yeah. And so, like, obviously, we looked at pedestal fans. Now, in this gym that, or in this warehouse we have here, there aren't, there were no existing power points on the wall. So, one yep. thing we had to look at: okay, if we do pedestal fans on the walls, we have to do all the, the wiring, the cabling. So, there's there's an expense. You have to purchase the pedestal fans. You have to have them all installed. By the time you crunch the numbers, Dan and I were like, "Hang on a minute! Like, why don't we just get one big ass fan? Like, literally." And that's what we did. So Indeed, we actually got a big ass fan, which is 5.5 meters in diameter. It's the biggest one they've got. And when that thing is on 
it moves speed, a shitload of air. It moves. I mean, it will actually like flick the paper off the fridge that's being held down by a, quite a large magnet. Yeah, and <laughs> so when the curtains are drawn for comms, it blows the curtains blows, back. And, they're, and they're, they're fire-rated curtains. They're really heavy. They're not like flimsy curtains, right? Fire-rated curtains. So that air just sort of... They act like big sails. So th- th- that's what we did for our, air, yeah. our um, airflow option anyway. Look, we have to move that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a few things to consider when looking at a venue. Obviously, a big one is location. Yeah. You know... Now, depending on the style of building you want, if you want a, ha- or a warehouse-style gym... There's only there's a limited number of locations you know that that have sort of that light industrial warehouse style um, properties right yeah. so you know you're not going to get a warehouse style gym in the middle of I don't know suburbia Inglewood <laughs> which where I live not everyone will know where Inglewood is man you know, which is where I we live, have which vi- is uh, listeners worldwide okay so Inglewood is a very very nice <laughs> area it sits between in between Mount Lawley and Bedford it's about five k's out of the city all right yeah. so you know, but it's it's 100% resident, pretty it's much residential. residential. Yeah, it's a, you're not going to get a yeah. thousand square meter pop up yeah, warehouse correct. in suburbia. Just and not also the style of gym that um, we wanted was a warehouse style gym where we have you know big ceilings, nice open space, and the main reason for that is we always wanted to run events, and we feel that when you're running an event, you do need a nice open space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This warehouse, I think, is eight meters yeah. to the ceiling. So eight this meters. is an eight meter warehouse. Yeah. Um, the new gym is ten meters. It's higher again. In the middle, it's ten meters. Yeah. Yeah, That's ten right. meters in the middle. Yeah. Um, so it's really going to look. It's like going to look epic. <laughs> it's like going a cathedral. To look epic. <laughs> yeah. A powerlifting cathedral. A powerlifting cathedral. I like cathedral. it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I just use that word because you know they're big and they're yeah. Pricing. Now, in terms of pricing and negotiating, what we recommend is have a look at what. Um, the sort of the general prices are in the area and then negotiate commercial leases are very negotiable and the longer the term contract you yeah. sign the more negotiating power you're going to have I think it's a give and take situation so a few ways to bring the um, cost per square meter down is to negotiate a longer term lease so for example initially they might be asking for a three year if you go to a six year option um, you can negotiate you may be able to negotiate a cheaper price yeah, right. and generally speaking, you normally get around one month free rent for every year you sign in the lease. Yeah, in so the lease. If you're signing onto a, a four year lease, um, you should be able to negotiate quite easily a f- four months upfront free lease, and that's great because it helps you with um, some of the fixed costs of moving, yeah. um, and it sort of you know it gets you going. Some of your moving costs, nice. and also especially if you're changing overlap. gyms, you're going to overlap. have an overlap yeah, of yeah, lease, right. so yeah, it helps keep the cost down and cover some of those moving costs. Yeah, yeah. Look, exactly in terms right. of that, there's obviously going to be fit out if you need to build offices, Correct. painting, electrical work. Yeah. That's obviously something you need to consider when looking at potential venues. Correct. Um, there's a little bit about venues. One thing I will say is don't overcapitalize for your first gym. And in fact, what you do need to do is regardless of whether it's your first, second, third or fourth, you need to consider your occupancy cost. So your occupancy cost is basically the percentage of your revenue that you spend on your lease, right? Which is a fixed cost every month. Which is a fixed cost every yeah. month. Yeah. You need to make sure that you're in a position where you can make sure that you are always able to pay those lease repayments. 100%. I think one of the things, um, I think we've really always done this with the, the sort of things that we run our businesses is that we actually never, we've never taken out a business loan. Happy to admit it. We've never actually taken out a business loan for no. anything. So yeah. we've always, we had, we all put in a certain amount of money up front Yep. And we basically didn't purchase anything new until we had that money saved. So that means that cash flow was really important, right? Yeah. Having a surplus of revenue coming in, then what's going out? So I think that's really important. I think what happens, businesses sometimes get stuck when they don't manage their cash flow. They spend too much than what's coming in, basically. Basically, yep. yeah. Yeah. You do need to be on top of your cash flow. So having a good accounting system is also important. Make sure you're looking at your monthly cash flow, your mo- monthly profit and loss and balance sheets. Yeah, I mean, initially, uh, I, I used a basically just a spreadsheet. Yeah, we did. Um, and that was fine. With profit and loss and also and we cash still do. flow. We still do to an extent. Yeah. I mean, now we've upgraded to zero. Uh, it's made it a lot easier for me, um, you know, accounting-wise. Yeah. Um, but initially we just use you know a spreadsheet yeah. um, and you know, sort of you mingle that together with the sales reports from say MindBody or any other um, management system that you're using yeah. and you, know, you can start to paint a picture of the, the financial health of the business correct yeah. actually um, Paul brings up a really good point is that how do you manage your clients your appointments um, you need to really decide on what's known as a CRMS so like a customer relationship management system yeah. there's plenty out 
there for gyms if you go on to google and search for gym crms or gym management software um, one of the ones that will be right at the top is mind body now mind body is quite a versatile flexible very broad crms for all sorts of fitness um business and, industry and also we've always places you, like i think we started using mind body when we moved into v2 Correct. We didn't use that straight away. Yeah. We just had a spreadsheet of members. Correct. A member spreadsheet. And then once we got to the point where we needed to have more control over the management of that, uh, and also for appointment booking and stuff, we needed to really uh, upgrade the back end. Correct. Now, MindBody is really the the higher level uh, or the visible component of the CRMS. People then have to decide on what payment services or systems they're going to use. We've opted for EasyDebit. So EasyDebit as the platform sits behind MindBody and executes all the, you know, you know, yeah, the direct debits, direct basically, debits your, basically your your member payments and any yep. appointment booking stuff like that. Yeah, um, yep. I mean, if you have a business, you want to make the payment system as painless as possible. I think, and having a direct debit system in place is definitely the way to do it. Yeah, um, I have heard of Jim still doing using the paper method or the Excel spreadsheet method. This is very. I, I would say very inefficient business. Oh man, yeah, that would just be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Cool, awesome. I've got a, a question, Paul. Shoot. Something that people might want to know, and some of it might be a little bit obvious, but there might be a couple in there that catch people off guard. What are some of the big ticket expenses, outgoings, that you would expect the business to have? Okay, so, I mean, apart from obviously lease and labor, which are virtually the two biggest well, ones. They're the two biggest, yep. yeah. Lease and labor are, are massive, um, especially when you have a gym the size of this gym here. Yeah. Um, the next, you know, sort of, I'm going to say it's probably it's it's a large expense. It's not a lot. You can't compare it to labor and um, mm-hmm. and lease, but it's a necessary expense and it's insurance. Absolutely, that's actually a very good point. Okay, so um, the business you need uh, obviously some sort form of business insurance, and if you're running a gym, you need some sort of fitness and gym insurance as well. There are a few providers um, for fitness and gym insurance. Um, a public. Um, indemnity and um, public liability so you need both types of insurance and also you need to definitely read the fine print as to work out what certain things you actually are insured for so for example yes we were talking about this the other day so for example if you just ask for sort of the -the run-of-the-mill gym insurance policy it's not going to include things like high rope like you know using a rope um, it's not going to include things like if you've got a sauna or if you've got a pool, if you know big gyms might have or pools, strongman stones or any stones. Sport or strongman equipment, running now, events, strongman or running of powerlifting events. And we actually have our own separate insurance outside of the insurance of the federations, which also supply insurance. We have our own event insurance here. Um, so any comp, any event or competition that we run here is fully insured. So for those of you guys who listen to our events. It's safe to know that Paul and I do have adequate cover and our insurance is Look, I would suggest that if you're not sure, ask the meet director. Absolutely. If you're not sure about an event and you're not sure about the insurance, always ask the meet director. At the end of the day, they have a responsibility to make sure... I would suggest if they can't tell you, then perhaps don't, don't do the event. Yeah, look, why would you put yourself at risk? I don't understand it. So yeah, that's something that Paul and I are really big on is making sure that not just that we're covered and that our clients are covered as well. Because Absolutely. at the end of the day, if something happens then and, and shit hits the fan, we always need some insurance to fall back on. Touch wood, we've never had to use any insurance. Look, for I, mean, like that. I mean, we're very diligent in the way we run things. Um, you know, we've probably had maybe um, three or four incidents, um, but not. No, nothing, nothing major, major you know no. nothing major just the usual stuff yeah so nothing major so you know touch wood it's it's been good um but you know like it is it is important to have insurance in place and that's what i'm saying so make sure you read about what the insurance covers which is really important um you know if you if you are running events and you have to make sure that your events are covered if you have youth Miners coming into your gym, you have to make sure that you have the relevant coverage for miners. What about child minding services, Paul? If you have a creche or any sort of child minding, you obviously need the correct insurance. And you also need, you probably also need some form of approval from the council to run child minding as well. And I'm pretty sure you'll also need a nanny to be as part of that creche. Absolutely. So if you have child minding, you need a qualif- you need qualified personnel. 
um, to, you know, watch the children, make sure that they have their um, working with children checks all sorted out, you know, all that type of stuff. That, yep. I, mean, I mean, that's true of anyone you hire. They need the right credentials and insurances and, and yep. so on. Um, so outside of general gym insurance, the, the next one which um, most people won't think about is um, music licensing. Oh man, uh, music licensing, and it's actually it's actually more expensive than I thought it would be. Um, so we have the APRA APRA music licensing here, and it covers obviously us for like playing music during obviously the gym, um, you know, gym time, and during cl- you know yeah. when we have, we're in strength club classes and stuff. So it actually includes all that type of thing. What it doesn't include is. Um, broadcasting you know broadcasting the music for example correct yeah it doesn't include things like that so you know but usually youtube or instagram will pick pick people up on that anyway yeah, so they ping not, us all the time yeah that's block not our too videos. much of a problem you know so so i think insurance and licensing is um is not only a large expense it is, it's relative look it's not compared to mm, yeah no like, that's right not not compared to labor and lease but it's not only large outside of those other two big expenses but it's also necessary yeah Okay. But what we have found in the past, and I'm guessing that other gym owners or other business owners will find this, is that it's the smaller expenses that catch you off guard. Well, you actually, think you've got all your ducks yeah. in a row and everything's looking sweet, then boom, you yeah. get hit with this bill. To be honest with you, the APRA license caught me off guard because I was like, oh, you know, I had an estimate in my head. Yeah. And then it was like five times my estimate. And I was like, God damn. Yeah. You know, so like that did catch me a little bit off guard. Um, and to be honest with you, right now I'm choosing to pay the APRA licenses quarterly because they because they don't give you a um, discount for paying it all year. So I'm like, why yeah. would I do that? I'm no. gonna put my cash flow out a bit and I'm gonna pay it quarterly. Love your work. So that's how that's how I do that. Um, whereas with the actual with the gym insurance, they do give you a, a bit of a discount for paying. Yeah, it so yearly. we pay so that up pay, front, pay it sort of yearly. So yeah. I mean, you could look at those sorts of things when you're looking at cash flow as well. Is it cheaper to pay for something? Yearly or um, you know for every every three months. Absolutely, or, you want to something like that. If you can get a discount for paying longer term, do it. However, if there's no discount, it's better to hold on to your cash and and have better cash flow in your business. Yes. Now, the other expense, which is not an operating expense, but let's now let's talk about capital expenditure. Yep. Oh yes, here we go. So cap big big ticket items. Capital expenditure is a big big ticket item, and what we're talking about here is. But your gym fit out equipment yeah, your equipment your gym fit out you know your machines your weights your bars your dumbbells your kettlebells cable everything. machines everything that's not fixed to the wall is basically capital you know, capital expenditure yep um, so now the road now initially when we opened obviously we had a limited budget um, so initially we decided to purchase equipment that probably wasn't the best at the time for that you know, for the all, job or the standard yeah um and then over time, as we improved cash flow and the business had money, we started, um, you know, as we were buying capital, as we were buying equipment, we started looking yeah. for the best. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, yeah, I remember we started grade. I mean, Paulie, do you remember the bench press when we first started? Yeah, we had, had a hand-me-down hand bench Eagles from bench. the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, it was yeah. blue. It was ugly. But you know what? But no, it did the it job. It was actually a great bench. It wasn't bad. The pad could have been a bit th- wider. But that would have been easy to fix. Yeah, that's an easy fix. That's an easy fix. By right. a, a DT fat pad. Or you could just make your own. I mean, you could just make your not own. not really rocket science. Not no. brain surgery. Rocket no. surgery. Um, but we started literally with one hand-me-down bench press. Yeah, so we started with two racks... Two racks? Two racks. One hand-me-down bench press. A hand-me-down bench press. A hand-me-down, we had a squat hand-me-down, hand-me-down dumbbells. Yep. Hand-me-down bumper plates. We now, because we were a powerlifting gym, or that's you know that's the kind of gym we wanted to open, we had to start with a set of Avanco plates. Yeah, so we, we had a set of calibrator plates. And um, did we have a deadlift bar to start with? No, I don't we, think didn't. we did. We had an ABC power bar, yep. and we had a variety of other sort of um, cheaper lower end bars. Um, most of which are not here anymore, actually. Um, and then, really? as you know, I don't think so. I, we sold a few, and what did we sell? Uh, we sold a few early on. Of what? I can't remember what they were, but we sold a few. Oh, I didn't think yeah. we did. Yeah. Um, I mean, now we've probably got 800 kilos worth of just bars. You know, and that includes obviously barbells, specialty bars. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a few barbells. Well, in think here. about it. There's 220 kilos of yeah. Aco bars here. Yeah. So there's a lot of bars. More, yeah, true. That's just power bars. And then and also, you've got to consider the 25-kilo <laughs> squat bars, which I think we have yeah. six of. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, 
So that's sold out. We basically we started um, modest, yes. And as the business grew and as we needed better equipment, you know, that's when we started purchasing the higher end stuff. Yeah. And now, honestly, we don't. I mean, we we we're in a position where we don't have to purchase. We don't a lot. purchase the now. For those of you out there who are maybe yeah. looking at opening a gym, the biggest piece of advice we can give you is not to overcapitalize. Again, 100%. start small. Start within your budget. Start within your means, and then add equipment to your arsenal as your business health and cash flow improves i think initially as well the important thing with equipment would be to select equipment that's versatile so for example instead of buying an expensive monolift you could buy three power racks four power racks yeah they're very versatile you can squat on them you can bench in them yeah you can pull ups military press pin, floor press you can use the pins pull, rack pulls so pin it's presses. much more versatile so yeah. yeah i mean that's what and that's exactly what we did we didn't have a monolift tool up till after probably a year mm. probably it was about a year oh it was six monolift. to twelve months six our to first 12 monolift um and then we didn't purchase our second one till we we're at v2 yep um and now we have four with three on the way yep um but yeah i mean i think you have to consider versatility you know yeah dumbbells very versatile of course obviously. barbells and dumbbells no brainers versatile you know Look, barbells yes you can get expensive barbells like the Leco power bar or you can go for very cheap, cheap models one, yeah. again start somewhere that fits within your budget Look, there's you can get great barbells for the five, six, seven hundred dollar range. You know the ABC barbells Absolutely. and like they're know, great barbells. those types of barbells. We still have those in the gym. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so um, you can still get um, great products um, without the sting. You know, without that yeah. that really expensive price tag attached yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to speak about was when we made this the choice um, of purchasing a leg press because it was the first sort of machine. It know, was, yeah. That we will purchase. We will, um, we decided to purchase, and we looked around, and sort of most of the commercial grade leg presses at the time were only rated to say four hundred kilos, um, and I think we we were a bit more optimistic than that. <laughs> so <laughs> indeed, you know, we we then decided. Um, well, ultimately, we decided to to purchase the Elite FTS Mondo leg press because well. Yeah. It doesn't have a kilo rating. No, it's massive. It's massive. You know, it's a unilateral leg press, so that the sleds can move independently once you uncouple them. Um, you, you know, it's got weight trees on it. It's got a very nice wide pad. So we did make the choice straight away when we purchased our leg press to buy the best one that we th we think is the best one. Anyway. And also because leg presses in general general are pretty expensive, and so there's no point spending. A Three yeah. or four thousand when on something for that, yeah. for for double basically yeah, yeah. actually more than double more, yeah. we could have elite FCS which we know is going to last a forever. lifetime forever yeah that forever. thing would last a nuclear explosion <laughs> uh, yeah I'd probably like hide within it <laughs> yeah you know so yeah look in terms of other equipment in your gym start with what you need to start with when we first opened our gym we didn't have any machines apart from the leg press we no, didn't even have a cable no we didn't have the leg press when we started. You sure? Uh, mate, 100%. Okay, so the leg press did come after, not much after, maybe six months. I However, think, we yeah, didn't probably. have any machines. We didn't no. even have a cable machine. No, we had no machinery. Obviously, now we're, uh, you know, we've got a lot more range um, in the gym, but that's only because we've grown. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, and, and we've, in some circumstances, opportunistically purchased items Absolutely. as well. Um, and we actually plan on adding more equipment to the arsenal when we move to V4, some more specialty gear. Oh, I can't wait to go shopping. We're going to have Urgh. some more information on that probably next year, but there's going to be a lot more real specialty items coming to Ruchi's gym next year. But initially, the plan is to make sure we get in, improve the facility, improve what we do. We will be adding some more equipment, though, as we've previously discussed, some more monos and more benches. Um, but there will be some more specialty gear um, coming in next oh, year. I can't as well, wait sometime. to go shopping. <laughs> I know. There's already a couple of things on my mind. Um, that yeah, there's two in particular on my mind. Yeah, two. There's two in particular yeah. that I can't wait to yeah. get. Yeah, maybe three, but the third <laughs> is not that important because ah oh, well, if it all fits yeah. in a container, it all fits in a container. That's right. <laughs> um, look, man, we've covered covered a fair bit. Um, the other thing, I guess, that's important to bring up is you have to understand where your revenues are going to come from. I was going to say that, and we could probably also expand on services. So yeah, this is now we're talking about services. What services as a gym are you going to offer? Obviously, if you have a public access gym, you're going to have some sort of membership. 
Yep. You can charge weekly, fortnightly, monthly. You might even have a discount for a yearly rate. Yep. You have to determine whether you want contract periods, no contract periods, joining fees, exit fees, those types of things. And my advice would be to look around at other gyms that are similar to yours and see what they charge and then base your pricing off that. Obviously, if you're a new gym, it, you might have some sort of foundation membership pricing so you actually get people joining the you gym straight away. You get some traction, right? get some momentum. You definitely want to get some traction and also you want to get the cash flow coming in as quickly as possible. As possible yeah. Because you know what? That first two, three or four months of your free rent period Ooh. goes very, very quickly. And it's also very nail-biting as well. Very quickly. So you yeah. want to try and get the cash flow, get some real positive cash flow going straight now, away. On, in terms of like, still within services and membership and stuff in terms of pricing my recommendation would be to start on the low side right uh, not too low though like don't start at $10 a week don't start so low that in the first week you decide it's too cheap and you have to put it up straight away yeah because that's a bit of a kick in the ass right yeah but you start with something fair but not too low definitely um, obviously you don't want to start too high and price yourself out of the market Hence why you need to look at your competition. Yeah. And look at what people in your area are charging based on, you know, but you, you the similarities at, of your business. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the type of gym as well. Absolutely. You know, the quality of the gym. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I agree. If I've got a gym with two racks in it, I'm not going to charge the same as Ruchi's gym, which is, you know, 10 minutes away. No, that's right. Obviously, it has to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just for pure memberships. And what you should initially do maybe is when you start your gym is obviously you'll know what your lease is going to be. You know what your wages are going to cost. Have an idea of what your outgoings per month are because well, that maybe give you an you idea. Did you say wages, Daniel? Initially, you uh, ain't going to be getting a wage. Exactly. Be prepared not to make any money in your own pocket for 6 to 12 months. Mate, I was going to say three years. Now, just taking one step back, it is very important to understand what your fixed costs are. The things that are going to be coming out of your bank account every month or every week. Right? So, yeah. you know, well, we've been through the big ticket items. Yeah, you know, lease. Obviously, if you've got labor costs, that's important. Um, you know, you can split things like insurance and, and music licenses up across 12 months. Yep. But then you have other things. Yep. Right? On top of the lease, you have outgoings. Are you using water? You're going to have to pay for insurance for the building. If you've got a fire system, you got hoses and fire extinguishers. You're going to have to get them maintained regularly. You're going to have to get the air conditioners. If you've got air conditioners in your uh, in your admin areas, you're going to have to get all that stuff maintained. You know, and there's a periodic system in which that happens. Yeah. Right. And commercial Elect leases, electricity. You pay for everything. You pay for everything. So if you've never gardening had a commercial lease before, be prepared to pay for absolutely everything. Okay. If something breaks, you're going to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> So it is very important that when you uh, when you start your commercial lease, that when they give you the keys, with the um, with the agent, you need to do a walkthrough of the building, and this could take a few hours. You have to make sure that everything is in working order, because as soon as that agent leaves the building, and you sign your, that paper, it is then your responsibility. So go around with a hairdryer, make sure the power points work, turn the air conditioners on, set them to cool, set them to heat, turn the fans on, go into the toilets, flush the toilets. You know, yep. open the faucets in the kitchen. Make sure there's hot water coming Make sure out. there's hot water, all that type of thing. So make sure um, all that works. And then what they'll uh, also produce a condition report. And basically a condition report is a bunch of photos of the building. Go through every photo and make sure the photo is accurate. That way you <laughs> can't true. be blamed for damage that was already there, yep. um, you know, sort of before you <laughs> took the lease on. Absolutely. So these are all really important things which we've learned along the way. So actually. your fixed costs are a big one. So know your fixed costs and then also know your variable costs as well. Your variable costs are things like electricity. Well, but... That change. But, uh, it is variable, but it is fixed It's fixed time. and variable at the same time. You know you're going to get you a bill. You know it's coming. You know you're going to get a bill every July. It's about two grand. That's yep. fixed. Every quarter, you know if you're making money, you're paying You're paying bass. electricity. Yeah. You know, that's true. You know, that, and then I mean, at the end of financial costs. year, if you're making money, you're yeah. paying tax. Let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about, this is something we spoke with Thomas and Cheryl about. Um, one of the first things when Thomas was opening his gym is he was talking to me and he asked me, like, should I register for GST? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I said to him, Thomas, if you're not planning on making more than $75,000 a year, just like don't open the gym. No. So basically, that was a rhetorical question. And basically, I said, yeah, you're damn right you should like register of for course. GST. Um, so you do need to register for GST, which is, you know, your role in collecting 
the, the goods and services tax for the yeah, government. Exactly. So every three months, you will have to pay the government or hand over that portion of the GST which you've collected through your products and services to the ATO. And the best way to do this, if you're not sure how, is to work with an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you've got a good accountant. Remember also, the GST that you pay, you can claim back. Claim so back. you'll always pay the difference. Yeah, an offset. And sometimes... If you've had more outgoings and ingoings, you actually collect money from the Ooh, ATO. Amazing! I don't, has that ever happened to us? No, I don't think. It I has. don't think we've ever collected money from no, the ATO. No. Um, but yeah, Paul, no. you you went off on a tangent. We're man. talking about services. Services, right? So now so we've got the diversity of services. We have gym membership. You have your membership, of course. That's going to be your, you know, for most gyms, their primary, especially a sort of small niche gym, your primary. Um, money maker especially if you have public gym access the second one will be um you know coaching and personal training are you going to offer, offer coaching services and personal training services yeah obviously you're bringing money that way yeah. who's going to be um, who's who, going to be doing who's going to be doing it so yeah. that brings up the next point which is staff yeah staffing you know staffing is a very very tricky thing and in our experience it is very difficult to find the right people that fit <sighs> your your core values in, in fairness we've all, always found it hard to um, bringing people that you know we don't know um, it's always been hard for us man I think you'll find that's every business owner's yeah. biggest barrier I think it's uh, in a way because we've always had each other and we, we, we can rely on each other heavily and we trust each other unconditionally it's really hard to sort of break out of that and it that, is very difficult circle. Uh, it's not really a circle it's a line and to be honest that's <laughs> one of Paul and our it's one not a probably not a flaw but it's, it's a weakness de it's definitely one of our weaknesses Absolutely. In that we definitely do find it hard to let go um, in saying that, we actually have a really good team in here at the moment um, that's working really well together. So it really takes some time to find the but right I mean, mix of we people. We do, but you know, we've known. Uh, let's call them out. We've known Amanda, Nicole, Amy. We've known these. We've known the girls for a long time. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> we, you know, we trust them, un, you know, unconditionally, and uh, we trust them with our name. Obviously, now, you know, when we changed our name from PTC Perth to Ruchi's Gym. I don't know why, but my perception or something in me changed about the gym. Like it became really personal. Yeah. And not that I didn't care before. I 100% cared. But, you know, it's got our dad's name. Yeah, I know. You know on it. So, you know, like straight away, I was like, it just became really personal for me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, again, going back to services. So, yeah. your coaching and personal training. Outside of that, you might have some sort of group model where you have maybe you Correct, offer some absolutely. conditioning or high intensity classes or some sort of semi private model. Yep. Um, outside of that, you might offer, uh, for, for example, Paul and I have our own courses that we run. We also have some sort of education. Yeah, we, yeah. So we offer education. Obviously, our events bring in revenue as well, which obviously help pay for our big building and the building sort of supports our events. And that's why sort of the two go hand in hand. Um, you know, so you've got to kind of look at your business model and where your revenues are going to come from. Yeah. And that will sort of, sort of help also help you dictate, you know, I, I guess the things that you offer and your belief system, the staff you need, how you operate. Um, so, yeah, all this kind of needs to be considered up front. Yeah. I mean, what that I will say evolve. in terms of like the services is don't think that you just have to like offer everything straight away. Like yeah. just be really good at the first thing. Yeah. Or one or two things, you know. Yep. Get those two things right, and then they're, ch they're ch you know churning away, and they're humming away, and they're doing really well, and you're getting great results for your clients. Then add the third thing. Yeah. Then do that really well, and then the fourth thing. And then it's like getting thing. stronger, right? It the is basics indeed. work. Master the basics, yeah. and then start tapping on. Look, I th and I think initially, um, what we did is we, um, you know, we grew our member base. Yeah. You know. You know, we went from five members to 10 members to 15 to 20. I mean, I remember the day we hit about 30 members. Mm. And I remember um, I remember telling dad. Yeah. He was wrapped, you know, because he was like, wow, you know, you guys are doing great and everything. Yeah. You know, and that was a big milestone for us. And, you know, and then I think, you know, early on, it was about, you know, obviously a member drive, getting people in the gym, yeah. getting people who are, you know, like share the same interest in the gym and yeah. all that sort of thing. I think secondary to that up front was the coaching side of it, or yeah. the one-on-one -on -one personal training side of it. Yeah. But see, that sort of grew organically. You know, and we can include like powerlifting coaching and online programming, all that sort of thing wrapped up into that. Into yeah, coaching that's or right. Training that grew organically as the membership grew, but a bit it also grew as our experience as powerlifting coaches grew. Oh, of course, because yeah. now we and get a lot yeah. of people coming to see us because of our reputation. You know, I know, but so you know, but if when today you I've got five members and tomorrow I've got ten. 
there's more demand for those services. Yeah, but also, so you know, it's just natural networking. Yeah. Five people are going to, 10 people are going to tell a lot more people than five people and yeah. sort of branches yeah, out, yeah, right? Yeah. So your reputation yeah. and your reach grows in yeah. the market. Yeah. 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 And then obviously then, you know, we started, I mean, we, we started running events, very small events, you know. In fact, on our, on our open day, we ran a deadlift comp. Um, and that was our first event. I think we had 20, maybe 20 yeah, deadlifters or something. 15 or 20. You know, and that would be considered basically a very, very small comp now. We know, I mean, we're running, you know, anywhere up to like two, day, two days of full, uh, you know, full two days, you know, 120, 130, 140 lifters. APU Nationals is going to be 180 lifters over three days. Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Um, but you know we've 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 really done a, w- a lot of work. I think ever since sort of we hit V two, we've done a lot of work on our event side. Yeah, and it's really shining now. I feel like I feel like we're doing a really good job, and I, I like I'm proud of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. we do have a lot yeah. in the pipeline and a lot of work to do. Oh, there's always something. There's always. But stuff it definitely to do. is really really um, hitting its straps now. Yeah. yeah. Look, and if anyone ever has any recommendations, criticism or criticism, absolutely. That's fine. Let us know. Like, if you've had a bad take. experience here, we want to know about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Because the only way that we're going to improve what we do yeah. is by having constructive feedback. Absolutely. And look, we know we're not perfect. Yeah. We're trying to be we're trying to obtain perfection. That's never going to happen. We're going to be, you know, we're going to come closer and closer and closer, but there's always going to be improvements to make. And we're, right. we're always going to take a step back as well and say, "You know what? We've done that really well, but we can do it better." Yeah, you definitely have as a business owner, have to have the ability to look at your business from the outside in. Yeah. Um, and, and don't get too defensive if someone picks something or criticizes or has a bad experience. Yeah. Always take on board people's feedback. Yeah. Because they're the things that at the end of the day, if you can improve those and minimize the amount of bad experiences people have, um, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. Because that's what it's all about. Your business isn't there to make people suffer. It's there for people to have positive oh, great growth. Experiences, growth. Growth moments. Right? You know, um, and if you're not in business for those things, then don't go into business. Well, don't go into a health and fitness business no, type business anyway. That's right. Yeah. Coming into a gym business, you also have to be very good with people. A people person. You've got to have people skills. If you're yeah. the type of person that just wants to sit in their office, put their headphones on, not talk to anyone probably not the industry for you look i'm not gonna lie sometimes i feel like mentally i have to do that yeah you know that's, that's fine, fine. Yeah. but there are people out there who probably just don't want to talk to people yeah that's obviously i'm that's talking not about real introverts who yeah. are, are socially inept yeah that's not going to work obviously you know no. um, so you definitely have to be the type of person that's personable has great communication skills um and is good with people yeah i think you have to be likable um approachable uh, yeah yeah absolutely Indeed. Man, where do we go from here, Paulie? Look, obviously, there's heaps of things well, you can tap onto, business merchandising and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I mean, um, we really didn't... I mean, actually, I mean, we haven't really... We haven't really, like, hit our straps with merchandising, I don't think, anyway. You know, we do sell merch, but I think we can do it better. We definitely don't present it... And by the way, way I really I like could. the new T-shirt. The... the, the, with the you with like the, that, You up. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Taryn saw it and she goes, that's a good t-shirt. And I'm like, I'm going to be wearing that t-shirt. So one thing we're actually going to be doing in V4 is um, widening the range of merchandise we offer. So at the moment, we've just got the same t-shirt and we just do different colors and yeah, prints. We've got the classic t-shirt. We're going to be introducing some different models. Models. Damn. So to speak. You know, different styles and designs and stuff. Yeah. But um, we've also done like, you know, our full color logo, our yeah, two-tone yeah, logo. We have done stuff like that. But you I know. mean, different actual t-shirt design. Yeah. You yeah. know, so the, those ringer t-shirts with the the party. Oh, yeah, I love them. Yeah, love um, them. They're great. You know, they're going to look cool. I actually yeah. didn't order female ones. I've ordered the males ones. If they look good, then I'll order female ones Damn. as well. I remember Ando wants pink. T-shirt. Well, I actually checked. They don't do fuchsia in men's, so I oh, can't get it. That's a, Otherwise, that's I would shame. have ordered it because I, I would want to wear that as I'd well. I'd wear it. I'd wear the fuchsia, baby. I'd wear the shit out of that thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, in terms of gym businesses, I, 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 I guess some of the key things to take away from this podcast is that um, don't expect to go into the gym business and to become like an overnight millionaire because that's not going to happen. Look, I think if you're going into the health and fitness gym business to drive a Ferrari not going to happen it's probably not going to happen you know unless you stumble across some amazing you know, new training regime um, you know and you franchise it franchise the hell out of it that's probably the only way you're going to you're going to be a squillionaire something like yeah. that I'll be honest man like 
I've never even like when we started this, it was never really in my mind. Like on no. even even now, I just want to, I want to deliver amazing events. I want everyone in the gym to progress and have an amazing time. I want to offer high-end experience, gym experience, strength for strength training, um, and that's what I want. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I think you know. Yeah, you know, we have to make a living, of course. Of course. We got bills and you know stuff. Yeah. And kids and dogs. I and agree. By the way, happy birthday to Minnie and Frankie. It's their birthday today. Um, <laughs> but I agree, man. And and it's always been about that is making sure that our members, which are a lot of them are like family, yeah, have the most positive and best training experience possible you know yeah. and that's the most important thing to us i think we've achieved that and one of the key things um one of the key things we've done is that we have heavily reinvested yeah this is so true out of every dollar we've made 99 cents have gone back into the gym <laughs> yeah and that's probably not even and, an exaggeration paul and i have had this gym now for over seven years and we'll openly admit that we don't take that much money home. no in fact it's embarrassing like <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say how much money we actually make from this yeah, gym. Yeah, like our living. Home. I just make a living, that's all. Most of the money that we make from the gym are from the is the actual work that we do, our coaching. Yeah, it's, um, it's right. We don't really make much of a passive income from the gym at all. No, virtually uh, nothing. Because, again, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is, well, again, it's not the type of business where you're going to have ridiculous amounts of cash flow. Second is we do want a really good positive cash flow because Paul and I like to have cash in the bank in case shit pops up. Like, for example, we've you decided have to, to move. move. <laughs> we've decided to move, so we need tens of thousands of dollars to move. Um, the other reason is Paul and I are really big on expanding the gym and having the money to do things that just sets our gym apart from everyone else. You know, if we want to buy a belt squat from the US from Matt Wenning because no one in Australia has got one, guess what? We're going to do it. Indeed, yeah. If we want to buy some stuff from Elite FTS or Westside or Pick Your Brand or Watson, guess what? We're going to do it. Um, and that's just part of what we believe, you know. And we discussed this a little bit with Thomas and Cheryl about um, about Westside. Is yeah. that, you know, Louis Jim Westside is awesome, but it's a pigsty, right? Um, and that's just the old school mentality, which oh, is fine. And I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Paul and I want to deliver strength training and powerlifting in a modern facility i've always wanted that that's that's sort of our vision we want a modern facility but we still want to try and maintain some of the history and some of those core values that those gyms represent yeah and held close to their hearts you know the discipline the loyalty yeah um all the you know the progression and, and striving for excellence you know all those things should remain but we just want to wrap a really modern facility around that. I mean, and they can remain. If they're not mutually exclusive things. Absolutely. You know? and Some people think they are, it's, which is very confusing. Yeah, it is. The, yeah. I, I guess that kind of brings us on to maybe, maybe the last point that we can talk about, and that's culture. Absolutely. And Paul said this really nicely in the interview with Thomas and Cheryl in that culture in a gym community is very much top down. Right, so what that means is the type of person you are as a gym owner is going to be reflected in the way your members treat the gym, treat each other, um, and portray your gym in the community at large. And the culture within the gym is a big representation of you as a person and how you feed um, yeah. all of that back down to the gym as well. Yeah, you know. So, you know, if you're an asshole, guess what? You're probably going to have a gym full of assholes. Yeah. If you're a if you're a if you're a friggin' pig and you leave your weights everywhere, guess what? People see that. They're like, hey, well, Paul's just leaving his weights everywhere. He's just leaving that bar loaded. I guess that's the in thing to do here, right? Yeah, exactly. Everyone so, knows that that's not what I'm like. I'm the direct opposite of that. Yeah. So on top of that, so I guess what one thing you need to decide as a gym owner coming into a new gym or an existing gym, or whatever is, what type of culture do you want? You know, and every gym is going to have a different culture. On top of that, there's going to be subcultures within that culture. There's Absolutely. going to be groups of people in that gym that you train with more than others. Correct. Even Westside has that, the morning and the, uh, the, the night, So there's right? going to be subcultures within the culture at large. Outside at of that, you also need to consider that you're at training at a particular facility because you want to get better. So regardless of the culture, it's really up to you how you conduct yourself, how, how hard you train how consistent you are, the discipline you put in in, your, in, in everything. 
is going to determine the result you get. And to be honest, you know, you can go to a $10 a week gym and get fantastic results if you're a very disciplined person. All right? At the end of the day, you know, it's it's sort of what's within yourself is what's going to determine your outcome. You've yeah. got to have the discipline, you know. Yeah. We're straying uh, a bit here, but we it's are kind a of bit. related to culture. I'm talking about culture though, you know, because I, I know some people are like, you know, about other gyms or whatever, you know, they'll say things, things like, you know, I didn't do well there because I don't like the culture. Well, hang on a second. There's probably nothing wrong with the culture. Maybe you just don't fit into the culture, which is actually okay. Yeah. Because the culture is at your particular gym is not going to be for everyone and you know what if that if that ever happens where someone leaves your gym because of the culture don't get butthurt about it it just is what it is maybe the culture just doesn't suit that person yeah and you know in some cases that's okay there's definitely a certain type of person that we attract here at Ruchi's and there's definitely a type of person that we don't attract nor want to attract so know your market is a really big one and yeah. the market will also help determine the culture that you want yeah. in your gym yeah, I mean, the other thing I want to say about culture and perhaps the last thing about culture that we'll talk about is um, you know you sort of see the marketing on the on the interwebs you know like we've got the best culture and I don't think there is no best culture there, there's only a culture that's suitable for your gym and the kind of clients and the kind yeah. of people you want in your gym this right? makes me laugh so much whenever gym owners try and sell culture if culture is the only thing that you have to market your gym you're not going to be around for very long. No. You've got to be more than the culture. You've got to be able to offer success and a great environment, great coaching, great services, all that wrapped into one package. The gym itself has to be great. You know, if you're going to only sell culture as a reason for someone to join your gym, you need to start rethinking your model. Because you know why? Because culture like is an evolutionary it thing. It does, it changes. It evolves over time. You can introduce one person into your gym, just say you have 300 members, you could introduce one person that completely changes the whole culture for the bad. Obviously, you want to try and weed out those assholes because they're the ones that bring the culture of your gym down. But only every time you introduce one person into your gym, the culture will change slightly. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's like dropping a, a stone into a into a pond. There's yeah. a ripple effect. Exactly. Yeah. So Peter McClernan said that very well. He called it the ripple effect. Oh, I like that. You know? You the know? ripple effect. Um, so you look, culture is definitely a big one. Um, man, we've been going on for just over an hour here, Paulie. Yeah, yeah, easily. Is there anything else that look just look, we've talked about um, obviously the financial side of the business, we've talked about the physical side, we've talked about um, actually where the warehouse the warehousing or the premise. Yeah, um, we've talked about services. Um, we've took, you know, we've given captions of our own experience how we started. Yep. Um, Look, you know, I, I, I guess outside of all that, in terms of the business stuff, what you've got to remember is if you're coming into a gym business, it's about the people. It's a people game. This is a people business. This is not about you. It's not about anything else apart from the people that are coming into the gym to try and better themselves. And yeah. they're all going to have different goals, different circumstances, different responsibilities, different budgets, different bodies, different injuries. It's funny, actually. Every time I, um, I bring someone through the gym and I induct them, you know, we've got like our gym rules board and I take them through the gym rules. And the first, um, the first point under safety, and safety is our number one on the, you know, so our number one category on our gym rules. It says, don't put yourself or anyone else at risk. And when I explain this to people I say we would like you to leave the gym in the same condition as you left it and then I always correct myself saying no actually we would like you to leave in better condition actually than you you came yeah because coming into the gym and spending time here is about improvement it's about growth and so that I, I always find that funny when I'm <laughs> doing yeah, the induction yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, look, you know, I think we can almost wrap that up poorly. But if anyone does have any questions on operating a gym business that you feel maybe we haven't touched on, maybe we can do a version two of this. I'm happy. Yeah. 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 Um, happy to, to speak more. Maybe if you've got some questions, we can elaborate a bit more. Yep. Um, now, I think we spoke about what we're going to do in our next podcast. We actually had a really cool idea. So, so let's start marketing and queuing that up. Yeah. As in, so, what are we doing, Dan? Okay, so what <laughs> we're going to do is we're going to do a live listener Q and A. Yes, I hope this. W- I hope people listen. I hope man. it works. I'll yeah. be so embarrassed. We'll have to so start making. We'll, 
No, we'll just pay some people to. Yeah, yeah, we'll just get some like um, what are they, you call them? Clappers. They're the ones you pay in the audience to clap. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or haggle. So we're gonna do a live Q and A, and the way we're gonna do that is on Instagram now on the stories. You can actually do a chat. And so you guys will be able to join the chat while we're up here and then just ask questions or banter or whatever you want. Um, and we're probably going to do it next week sometime, maybe on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and we'll give everyone a lot of notice. Um, I reckon that'll be really fun. I reckon it'd be brilliant, very interactive. I hope that it works. If not, we don't have to release the episode. No, but we can just segue. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. We could segue into some other, something else, you know. Yeah. What we'll do is, just in case no one listens... <laughs> <laughs> Please Man, listen to us. Really playing this down. Um, we'll have some Q and A, uh, some questions from the previous Q and As that we got ready to go, just to kick things off. There'll be people. Relax. Yeah. Um, all right, Paulie. Let's leave it there. I hope yeah. everyone enjoyed that. If you've got any We've questions, the budget know. on time here. Now, remember, if you do love our podcast, please like, share, um, and rate. Tick. Break. We'd appreciate five stars, it. Ten stars. We'll leave it at that, though. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Later. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Be sure to subscribe to join us on the journey. And for more information, visit ruchisgym.com.